Welcome to Careers for the Blind. I'll be your host, Harrison Hoyes. And in this interview series, we'll be having conversations with blind and visually impaired people discussing their career paths. We'll have an opportunity to hear about the struggles they had along the way, advice that made them more effective in their careers, and in general, what has helped them lead happy and successful lives. I think what I'm going to do is call this part two of or follow up to our first conversation. But as I was listening to the recording, I realized I didn't know how you learned how to become a computer programmer. Oh, can okay. you, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about how, how you actually learned to computer program? Because you didn't go to school for it. You mentioned that, um, you were teaching some stuff about computers, but then how did you ultimately become a computer programmer? Okay. Uh, let me tell you about when I decided I had to get into computers and it was like a tidal wave. It's just like, oh my gosh. I remember very clearly, uh, my family went down to Disney World, my mother, my sister, and myself. And you know how they have in the those airplanes, they have uh, those magazines you could take. Mm-hmm. And they had all sorts of ads in there, you know, books on audio and things like that. And back then they had all these uh ads for computers, small computers. And I had me and my nine power magnifying glass just reading through all that. And I just got so, I had to have a computer. I had to get involved with a computer. And I remember that night in the hotel, all I did was make up computer programs in my head. Hmm. So it sounded like something I might be interested in. Um, So after that, I got my own computer, and then I just started programming, digging into it, uh, learned everything I could about it. I found it fascinating. Actually, one of the programs I wrote was there was this card that had a speech synthesizer in it. And basically, it just you give it a number, and it says a, a pre-recorded word. At that point, uh, the computer I was using didn't talk at all. I just used a really big monitor. So I gave that as my first challenge, and I really learned a lot about computers, but I got it to work. So I could type, and as I'm typing, it would read um, the characters to me, and it helped my typing a lot. So let's see, how is that? That must have been like high school. Mm -hmm. So... When I got into college, like most college people, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I dabbled in a whole bunch of things. I was like a theater major for a while, a dance major. And, and then I realized computers, that that's, should be a lot of fun. So what I did was I started taking computer classes, some very basic programming classes for um, the mainframes there. And if you were ever a computer scientist in school at that, I was like PL1, Pascal, uh, just bunches of uh, programs nobody uses anymore. And that was great. And then I go, let me try to get a computer science degree thought, wow, you know, if I have a computer science degree, that should make it really easy to get a job. And so I checked into it, and that's where I discovered there was an insane amount of math involved. It was a math major uh, who could touch type on a computer keyboard. That's basically all it was. And that wasn't what I wanted. I didn't want to get that. I wanted to program. I didn't want to be a math major. 
So I, I did a plan B. Something I could do was teach new students uh, what I had learned, um, just basic, you know, like the education teachers and the business majors and all, just all sorts of different people who would come into the computer lab at George Mason University. And then during the summers, I knew I needed practical work experience. In the job ads, they would say specifically computer science degree. Well, it really wasn't a requirement. It said it in there. But I thought if I have enough work experience, varied work experience, practical stuff, they'll overlook that. Okay. And that's what turned out to be. They wanted people who could actually get something done the first day they entered, they went to work. And, so, and I told them my degree was in communications. And they go, oh, communications. They're thinking networks, you know, lands and all that. And I'm thinking like public speaking, journalism. But they didn't ask. So, but it is a, it is a degree. I paid for it. I know, I know I must have graduated because a week after I did graduate, the Alumni Association called me and started asking for money. So I knew I'd made it, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, so it was a combination of that and, and finding the internships. That was so valuable. It was actually much more valuable than having a computer science degree. They didn't really care. It was just what they put down. You know, since probably most of them didn't understand what a computer person did, they just had these phrases that they copied in there right. and stuff. So uh, I did really well because I had so much varied experience. I had a job with databases for the Army, trying to think back. Um, a job for the FBI to help them uh, find missing children. I felt really good about that one. Yeah. That was very constructive. I worked with the center for, and this is different, exploited and missing children for a little while. And I showed them some real automation ways that they could really get the word if there was a missing child, a much more automated, much clearer because they get the pictures out and they're like faxing by hand and stuff. So I'm showing them all these different ways that, no, you just hit a button, you get a much higher resolution picture out to everybody at the same time. So that felt really good too. So I had lots of different internships like that. And then when it finally came after graduating from college, I had been looking, I already had a job lined up for after I graduated. I did lots of interviews. And then I got an interview with a company that did databases for legal research. And it was called Mead Data Central. And mine was just a, a technology assistant, which is, you know, making sure all the computers are running properly. Not much programming per se, but it's a foot in the door. Oh, also something I did, a... Um, it's like doing everything on purpose. I knew that networking itself was very important. And so I took uh, networking classes at the local community college. And that was very interesting. And then I thought, now I need the practical experience. So I live in the center of Fairfax. And they have uh, the courthouse here. And they're also a volunteer center 
where you go there and they're like a clearinghouse. If you want to volunteer for something or you have some time or the judge tells you you have to go volunteer, mm -hmm. um, they're the ones who point you in the right direction. So I went to them. I said, I'm looking for a job where I can network the computers together and like that. And the lady says, wow, that's, a, that's really cool because we just got a network and we could really use help with it. Mm, okay. So, yeah, I got like 100 hours work experience. They gave me a plaque and everything. And it was all volunteer hours. And volunteer hours are just as good as cash in terms of a job interview. Yeah. That means you show dedication. And, uh, yeah, if any kind of extra hours you do, just in volunteer, you just, let's say you volunteer for a nonprofit. Let's say Lions Club, just picking up stuff. Now, you think, okay, I did out a couple of hours just helping move things around. No, you uh, practiced your leadership skills, your communication skills, your teamwork skills. All that employers are really looking for those skills because they don't just want an individual. They want someone who can be part of a team and ideally someone who could lead a team so that they could achieve their goals. It's all about value. The more value you can demonstrate, the more valuable you'll be to the employer and the more likely um, they'll pay you more. Um, yeah, sure. For example, oh, just one more, just be sure. For example, let's say uh, you get paid one more dollar because you feel confident. You can ask one more dollar because you did your, your confidence, you know, your, uh, your value. You think, yeah, I, and you just ask one more dollar than what you think. That's $2,000 a year. That's mm -hmm. a lot of money just because you felt confident and you uh, sh demonstrated your value. That's uh, definitely a return on investment. Sure, sure. Yeah, so that's my history. Okay. All right. So mostly, mostly self-taught, but then strategically taking those classes and then doing the volunteer work. That's, that's key. Yeah. Getting that work oh, experience, yeah. no matter how you, you go about it, whether it's a paid job or volunteer. Yeah. Getting the hours in is really what matters. Exactly. Something you can document. And I, and it's a great way to get referrals too. nothing speaks better. If you go, oh, here's my GPA, that's nice. But here are notes from two of the employers I did internships, these glowing referrals, references. That carries a lot. Yeah. The the networking that you did at the courthouse, mm -hmm. you did you inter really interview for that? Did they know you had any kind of vision issue? Were you doing that as a sighted, uh, vision impaired or blind person? Or, you know, what did, what did they see? Oh, um, they saw somebody tall who wanted to help out. And I did tell them up front, I said, I'm vision impaired. And that's when I could still use like a lot of magnification and a big screen. Okay. None of the stuff talked. Okay. So they knew that and they thought that was just really cool. Look at this guy. He's trying so hard and he's working and he's, you know, he's got a job and everything. Um, and he's vision impaired. So they like, they want you to succeed. 
And that's how it worked. And I just got things set up, asked them what, just like a normal job. You say, what are your challenges? Well, let me see what I can do about that. What do you think about this? Does this work for you? And they just, one, they just loved having that someone could, someone was willing to listen to them, to their challenges. And secondly, somebody was actually a face they could talk to who was helping them solve these problems. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Thanks. Um, when you, we were talking earlier about you, or last time we had talked, you had mentioned mentoring and, you know, finding somebody that was in a position that you'd like to, to be in. Was there anybody that mentored you or that you sought out to help you on your journey? Yes. Um, one particular mentor I had who had the same background that I did, he, he came up as a computer programmer in the database program Oracle, and which is where I was. I wasn't exactly, I was in like mid-level in terms of experience and knowing, still had a lot to learn. And he had been there, and then he was actually manager of the division at the time. Okay. So he was really willing to share information, but also he was kind of willing to be friends in that uh, we would go on trips together to, let's say, client sites in New Jersey or Maine and like that because uh, he was the face of the company and he would talk to the clients there and get what they, and I was the the guy who did the, the back end, the computer work. And we worked as a team and we traveled a lot uh, up and down the East Coast together. So, and he was just so full of stories and explaining things and helping me solve problems. It was just really um, beneficial for both of us because one, he gave me a lot of experience and, and taught me things I was a little weak on. But secondly, I was good company for him and he liked my jokes, and he knew he could depend on me. Okay. Was he a, a, a blind or visually impaired person? No. Okay. No, I have not yet worked for a company where there's been anybody else with a vision impairment. Yeah, and that's interesting in, in itself. No, the, uh, unfortunately, the institutions are set up to be that way. Um, unless you go to the government, a government office, you really won't see people with disabilities at all. Um, that's kind of the downside of this. There's, I don't know what it is, but if going to public companies or private companies, you will rarely see anybody with a disability. I was working at a job and my manager and one of my coworkers, you know, were Java programmers, which is a computer language, the front end, make it all look pretty and stuff. So they were dying for another Java program. There was so much work that needed to be done. So they went to the HR person, the um, recruiter, and they're going like, can you get us anybody? He goes, oh, it's, you know, it's really hard and like that. So. I don't know how the guy left the office, the recruiter. And so uh, my manager just started looking through the pages on the desk of all the applications. And he found a guy who looked perfect. 
And so when the recruiter came back, he goes, well, what about this guy? My manager asked with the paper, what about this guy? And he goes, oh, you really don't want him. He's deaf. Hmm. There's a lot of that. I've had a few jobs, and this is the reality, where I've been refused promotions and uh, job changes within a company because the client wasn't comfortable having a vision impaired person working for them. And in those cases, you don't upset the client. Whatever the client wants, you do. Even though it's like illegal and all that stuff, you just, there are situations and there's a lot of situations where you're just like, I'm not quite sure, but I think, you know, somebody has um, stereotypes that they're going off of, but it does happen. It definitely does happen where sure. you are discriminated against. Hmm. Yeah, no, that's definitely something that's a reality. Mm. Any advice to overcome some of those stereotypes? You keep looking. <clears throat> you can, if you go the legal route, that's going to take up a lot of time and resources. Personally, I don't go that way. That's just too tricky. I don't want to go there. Some people might be. No, not me. I'm busy looking for my next opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. And, yeah. So, I'm looking for my next opportunity. I go, okay, I get your attitude. I'm not going to change your attitude. It's not my job. I'm going to go someplace where I'm more appreciated. Yeah, sure. And I think that's part of what I'm trying to do with with this podcast is hopefully there's some sighted people out there that'll be listening and realize that blind and visually impaired people can undertake a lot of quite well. And hopefully it'll open up the door for a few other folks. Cause it is something that I hear about all the time, you know, and, and you know this well, that a pretty large percentage of blind and visually impaired people are unemployed or underemployed and at a rate that is staggering mm -hmm. um, relative to the rest of the population. So, yeah, it's uh, according to the Rehabilitation Services Administration, it's over 70%. Yeah, it's over 70%. And that's ridiculous. That mm -hmm. is absolutely ridiculous. So, hopefully, will will you know help some people with some advice and mm -hmm. and inspire some people to get out there and try to get those jobs that they deserve and over time it's gotten better over the years right but uh, over time will be will be viewed as just as competitive and hopefully a lot of those stereotypes will go away but that yeah comes with especially a lot of yeah, especially in this work from home environment, um, the visible signs of disability, no one will see them. They'll just see us for the quality of our work. And that's all really what we ask for. Yeah. All right, John, thanks so much for, you know, doing a follow up uh, to our initial conversation. This was great. And if there's anything else uh, I can think of, I'll be sure to reach out to you again. It'll be my pleasure.